You are listening to episode six of the Unity Society podcast. I'm Jenny Randolph. And I am Dieter Randolph. And uh, as we gather around this time, I, I think that the main thing that has happened in our universe is that our daughter, Raina, has gotten her wisdom teeth out. All four. I, and I have, I have no frame of reference because I have not had my wisdom teeth out, my position being that I need all of the wisdom I can muster. But I do remember when we were teenagers together, I was with you when you had yours uh, taken out, and it was not a positive experience. And so I'm very delighted to see how well she has sailed through this, and uh, we're almost done now. She's done very, very well. But I have to say that the technology and the science behind what went into her surgery versus what went into my surgery 20 years ago. Well, because it was when we were teenagers, there was coal shoveling involved and, you know, they hadn't learned about sterilization of instruments yet. It was a different time. It may have been, even been the dark ages. I digress. It was really fascinating to um, talk to the doctor about it because they do this really cool technique and it's called um, platelet-rich plasma. And what they do is they actually take a bit of the patient's blood. So they took a bit of Raina's blood and they went and they spun it in a centrifuge and they separated out the 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 actual plasma, the platelets of, mm-hmm. of the blood. And it forms like this little kind of gel-like consistency and it, it consists of like, well, it's not... Anyway, and it's contains like white blood cells and um, growth factors and I think it's pronounced fibrogen and so that's like all the good stuff and so after they take the wisdom teeth they put this little like globule of of this the plasma back in the holes and it helps to heal and it's got all of the good stuff and so I think that that's part of the reason that she has healed so well. Well I love that idea that your body knows how to heal itself best and they're just sort of yeah and I love I love the science behind it but it was really I'm it was really fascinating I like kind of I kind of got into it a little bit more got a little bit excited to it but but her little face was so swollen I've become an expert at cooking mushy food for a week so we've had we've had a lot of soft food around here. Um, I don't know how the rest of us are doing on a soft food diet, but I feel like I'm about ninety. It's it's a it's a yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever life brings to me. I think the most adventurous has been a little bit of macaroni and cheese. I think that's the most that we've we've chewed this week. That's texture though. It's in there a lot somewhere. of ice cream, a lot of pudding, a lot of yeah. I think I've put on twenty seven pounds. During yeah, that, and there's no platelets for that. No, no, there's not. The other big thing that our lives have just really revolved around is last weekend we had our first big book signing for our book, Branching In, The Journey From Alone to All One, available at the store near you as well as at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And probably if you just knock on people's doors in your neighborhood, someone might have a copy of the book. Um, But it was so much fun to get to be right there with people who have read or are about to read the book. We've done a lot of stuff on Amazon, for example. People have bought the book that way, and we've heard just wonderful things. And by the way, if you sent us one of those messages or you're one of the people that's written a good review on Amazon or whatever, we really are grateful. It's it's such a wonderful thing, but it's a different kind of wonderful thing when people come to you and want you to sign the book, and some people had bought it and came anyway for the signing and all of that, and it was just such a wonderful treat to get to connect with people 
on that level. As Jenny, as you've said in previous episodes of the podcast, this is a very intimate thing. It's like here's here's this set of my thoughts and feelings over the course of nine months or so. And thoughts and feelings are intimate things, and here they are out in the world. And so being able to release that represents a real step out into the unknown for both of us. And having such wonderful validation has been it's been a real treat. So it was a lot of fun to do the book signing, and I know we're going to do a bunch more. So it was it's really a neat thing, and I'll tell you, it's the kind of life that that I want to have. It's it, it really spoke to me on just so many levels. It was a lot of fun. My favorite part was just getting to talk with everybody. And I, what's funny is I think I need to get better because there was a line because I wanted to talk to people for too long. Mm-hmm. and But I wanted to give everybody the attention that they deserved because they were buying their, our book. And I thought, oh gosh, I just want to, you know, Tell me, tell me about your whole life, and and so, but the line kept getting longer. I don't and care. I was there. I don't care. That's but, the way. I but I want to be one of those people that oh, get out of the way. It's time for the next thing. I think at that point you lose sight of what's important. Yeah, I, I wouldn't was, have cared if we just sat there in the bookstore all day long. I was just conscious of the people's time. I think it uh, wasn't my time that I was lamenting, but I think you. it was the people that were you know, waiting to have it signed, and they were probably waiting to go to lunch. But so many, so many wonderful. Um, people that were sharing their stories and sharing the reason that they bought the book. And and so it was just really, it was very sweet, and I'm very grateful. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that, that I'm excited about is a book that I'm reading that we did not write. There are some books that we did not write, just to make that clear. There's a book that I'm reading right now. I'm in the middle of it. It's called Life's Too Short to Pretend You're Not Religious. It's written by a guy named David Dark. The concept of religious versus spiritual and what all of that means is is near and dear to my heart and it's something that I think we should devote a whole episode of the podcast to at some point but right now I just want to say that it doesn't seem fair that just because there are some people who in the name of religion have done mean things or dumb things or hurtful things, whatever. It is true that some people do that in the name of religion, but it's a little bit like saying all restaurants are bad just because some serve food that you're allergic to or that gave you food poisoning. There's lots of good restaurants out there too. A lot more to say, but for me, there's a thing that I've been saying for for a long, long time, and it goes like this. Spirituality is about how you feel, and religion is about what you do. And I would argue that you need both. I mean, we got lots of stuff to do. So, like I said, we'll talk about it later, but I just wanted to share a quote from the back of the book. If what we believe is what we see is what we do is who we are, there's no getting away from religion. And I like that sentiment. You don't have to be mean about all of this, but you have to believe in something. Just like we say in our book, the trick is don't fight it be conscious of it. Everybody believes in something, so believe in something healthy instead of trying to fight that natural concept that we all have. So anyway, life's too short to pretend you're not religious. So far, I'm just really, really enjoying the book. Well, speaking of being religious, because of Raina's wisdom teeth surgery, we have been reading a lot. We've had a lot of downtime. There's been a lot of movies in our house. and We've been home. We have been home. Yeah. It's (laughs) like the light of day has not touched our our faces, you know, for a while. But one of the TV shows that we have been watching, I think it's like a limited series or something like that, is The Young Pope. And I 
don't know if I like it. I'm glad to hear you say that because I have really been on the fence about it too. It's it's intriguing and I'm there are parts of it that I really like. Well, it's well made and everybody in it is really good. And there are some fantastic actors. Um, Jude Law is amazing. Well, and Diane Keaton, I would I would watch a show that just featured Diane Keaton making hash browns. I mean, she's She's phenomenal. amazing. Yeah. And um and who else is it? Who plays the who plays the main like father figure for for the Jude Law character? Uh, James Cromwell. James Cromwell, that's right. And from, he's fantastic. From babe. <laughs> and, and That'll do pig. Yeah. But yeah, no. Star he's, Trek First Contact. Yeah. Is it no, first Contact? Yeah. It's a Yes it is. Yeah. A, he's been in a million things and he's a phenomenal actor. Everybody in it is phenomenal. But the thing that I don't like about it so far is that everybody in it is kind of a jerk. Yeah, there's there's nobody that you're really rooting for. The only person that I can think of is the guy, and I don't know the actor's name, but um, he plays the Secretary of State. Yeah. He is, there are bits of him and his character that I like, but I don't know how many more episodes. I think we're three or four episodes mm-hmm. in at this point, and I don't know how many more episodes this is going to be because I haven't, I haven't looked I was making mushy food. But it's interesting. So let us know. Contact us on Facebook or Instagram. A, are you watching it at all? And B, how do you feel about it? I don't I have to finish it just because I'm a completist well, and yeah. I will I will finish the story and so maybe we can recap. But I don't know. Well, right now I don't know if I like it. I have this obviously what goes on in the Catholic Church, the belief system there. There's a good bit of difference between that and what happens in unity, obviously. And yet we have a lot in common, too. And I have this maybe naive idea that anybody, no matter what the details are, anybody who spends their life immersed in faith, in a devotion to something transcendent, I think that there's some level where you're touched by that beauty and it's going to show through. Maybe not in everything you do. Maybe it's filtered through fear or uh, duality or whatever, but I have to believe that at the core, if you spend your life around that kind of devotion, it's going to make you a better person. It's going to give you some kind of redeeming qualities. And so far, I'm not seeing that. And one of the things that makes me think is this is how mainstream culture kind of views religious people. And as a deeply religious person myself, I have to be aware that, that not everybody is uh, is cool with that. Yeah, it's the, it's a commentary on religious, religious stuff. And, and we know stuff, what that's yeah. like. I mean, when sure. we were teenagers and, and we'd meet people who were outside of unity and, and they'd go, well, where'd you guys meet? And we'd say church or I'm studying to be a minister or whatever. It's like the record skips. You know, it's a whole different thing and and I recognize that it's something we've dealt with all our lives and so I see that in the show and so there's extra reason why I'm rooting for somebody to be nice and so I'm ready for that to happen it's gotta happen there's gonna be some gonna act three redemption if, if it's know. like any other show that's ever been written there's it's gonna happen I don't know and Maybe. I, have, I have to say one more thing I, I love the concept of a miniseries because when it's an ongoing thing, like this is my problem with The Walking Dead, for example, is there's a story. 
you, there's a beginning and a middle and an end and there's a character arc and all of that. But when someone's writing a show and they need it to just keep going indefinitely because there's more shows and frankly more money to be made, they have to unravel the arc and unravel the story so that they can keep it. Instead of an arc, it needs to be sort of a flat line for a long time. And so shows sort of unwrite themselves and you see in so many shows there's a, this guy was a nice guy and now he's a mean guy and then he's a nice guy and it gets very soap opera after a while so the fact that this show is a limited series where there is a definite end to it means that that kind of tomfoolery isn't going to happen and so that appeals to me so i'm i'm excited about it i'm 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 willing to to stick there with it see i would argue that if a tv show is done right every season has its own story arc and if you come to that season and the you know and the characters may be the same but you can see the evolution of that character through that particular season and if you go back and if a show is done right see i don't have a problem with ongoing shows like you do i and like i said there are some that don't do it well but you know i think that if it's written well and if it's done well you can take it from season by season and right. have and have that story arc still be satisfying and complete. Well, I forgive you. No, we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll I'm see. you know, I'm still not going to watch The Walking Dead anymore after what happened. But um but that's a whole oh, separate <laughs> So something else that we got to do this week that was really fun and really exciting yeah. for us is that we were on a show hosted by the Reverend Chaz Wesley and his show is called From Grief to Grace and I believe it's out of it's Unity FM is where you can find yeah, it. Yeah, if you go to unity.fm you can find it. It's going to broadcast on February 2nd, but that will have been in the past by the time you hear this. But the good news is you can go to unity.fm and find the sub page. If you click on From Grief to Grace, you'll find the episode. You can listen to it as a podcast. You can listen to it live right there on the web page. Once again, unity.fm. But it was just so much fun to talk to him. He's a great interviewer. You know, we're trying to learn how to do the the radio thing with this podcast and and i like to think that we are learning some things i like to think that we're getting better at it It certainly feels more natural for me i know it does for you as well but so listening to him do his thing on a technical level as well as uh, on the level of just being a listener i was very very impressed but more than that it was just so fun to to get to talk about this process and we were there to talk about the branching in book a little bit but we went all over the place and talked about all kinds of things. Once again, given the name of the show, we talked about the grief process and getting to the other side of that and all that, but it was just really fun. He was so kind mm. and just so generous with his time and attention and just wonderful. He was wonderful to work with. approach the next segment our dig in portion of the podcast i know that you wanted to talk about something that's been on your heart lately hmm. yeah absolutely because we've been home but also because of the way that life the universe and everything has been going we have been spending an awful lot of time working on unity society projects really just about every waking moment that we aren't doing the have-tos of life, day job stuff, or taking care of other people, and all of those wonderful things that make up a day, 
every moment that we're not doing that, we've been doing Unity Society stuff. And we have been working, 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 just really working hard. But I have to say that it has been so fulfilling to me, so much fun, for lack of a better word, as if there was a better word. It's been so great getting to do things like the book signing, getting to think about the next book, getting to work on the podcast. We've taken phone calls from people and done a lot of communication with people on some of their prayer requests and and requests for guidance, and we've been teaching classes and just doing every single thing that we've been doing, and all of it has felt like prosperity to me. And I have to say that in the outer, you know, none of this is... uh, You know, I still have a day job. In the outer, none of this is paying or anything like that. But I got to tell you, I don't care. I really don't. And, And I've known that for a while, but I've really come to peace with the work itself has just been so fulfilling. Well, it's not paying money, but it is... It is paying us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, abso- it right. absolutely is. It, it is. it is filling us up and it is absolutely the direction that we want our lives to go in. And I, and I know that. And, you know, the book signing was really, again, it was really, really awesome. But just sitting there and after we had come home and we had had lunch together and it was just very clear. I had a very clear vision of what I want my future to look like. This is like. the person I want to be, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And and like you said it is prosperity. And this may not be, you know, feeding us monetarily at this point, but man, it's feeding us on all kinds of different levels. I my my cup runneth over. Yeah, I and feel that's, very that's grateful. Really, that's what I mean. I think we're on the same page. And the thing is I know for a fact, I really know that there will be a time when it is our job to and there's nothing else going on and I am at peace with that and just let me be clear, universe, I'm ready for that. But on the other hand, I'm not concerned about it. All I care about is the work. I can see that you know things have really accelerated for all kinds of reasons. We're being able to see now that people are responding to it. You know, there was a long time where we were doing this stuff and we'd get little pockets of, I don't know, approval, validation, you know, some kind of feedback. And it's all wonderful and I give thanks. But a lot of it was just kind of us in a vacuum, just kind of shooting in the dark to mix my metaphors a little bit. And all of a sudden people are really responding to that. And that is so fulfilling. But even if it weren't for that, just doing this is fulfilling. I know for sure that I love this work. No matter what the, the deal is, I really feel non-attached to the outcome. And I can say that I'm just so delighted to say it. And one of the things that it makes me think of is the uh, the covenant that Charles and Myrtle Fillmore wrote. I know you know this, but for the sake of everybody listening, I just want to make it clear. Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, the co-founders of Unity, wrote this dedication and they both signed it. And the the fun thing about the story is that that piece of paper was found in a desk drawer many, many years later. So it was not intended to be a, a public declaration. It was between them and spirit. And and I love it so much that I took a picture of the actual page, the handwritten, it's in Charles Fillmore's handwriting, on Unity Book Company letterhead. And I took a picture of it and it is the wallpaper from my phone. So whenever I pick up my phone, I see that. 
And so it, it just means a lot to me. It helps me sort of focus. And uh, Jenny, I wonder if you'd read it. I, I got it right there. We, Charles Fillmore and Myrtle Fillmore, husband and wife, hereby dedicate ourselves, our time, our money, all we have and all we expect to have to the spirit of truth and through it to the society of silent unity. It being understood and agreed that the said spirit of truth shall render unto us an equivalent for this dedication in peace of mind, health of body, wisdom, understanding, love, life, and an abundant supply of all things necessary to meet every want without our making any of these things the object of our existence. In the presence of the conscious mind of Christ Jesus, this seventh day of December, A.D. 1892, Charles Fillmore, Myrtle Fillmore. Wow. I love that for a million billion reasons, but I think it says so much about about how this is supposed to work. The idea is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to serve the truth in the best way that I can. And once again, the reason that I have it is the wallpaper on my phone is so that I remember you're not supposed to be in this for the outcome. You're not in this for the loaves and fishes, so to speak. You're in this for the sake of being in it. You know, and, and to me, that's what prosperity is. And I want to be very clear. There is nothing wrong with wanting things. I mean... Uh, Jesus fed the multitudes. He didn't tell them they were supposed to be hungry. He turned water into wine. He didn't tell people they weren't supposed to be thirsty. And he didn't even have them settle for water. You know, this is the, I came that your, your joy may be full. And there's nothing wrong with wanting. Notice that, that Charles and Myrtle didn't say, uh, fulfill every need. They said fulfill every, every want. want. Yeah, I was going to point that out. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. But there's the thing, without those things being the object of our existence. In other words, Charles and Myrtle wrote this declaration and said, look, we're not going to lose sight of what's important. And they made it a dedication and covenant. And here we are talking about unity stuff. And, you know, Unity Society, when you really boil it down, we're just a fan site. We're just trying to get people excited about unity. There are certainly, there's huge organizations and churches all over the world and people that call themselves truth students, unity people all over because of that moment, that scrap of paper. Uh, because of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore saying, how this works is we follow truth, we serve, and there's this byproduct that will happen that will fulfill every want, but that's all it ever is going to be is a byproduct. We're not going to focus on it. And that's how this life is supposed to go. That's what prosperity is supposed to be. One of the things that we talk about sometimes is that lottery game. We play the lottery game with, with our friends. Yeah. And it's not that, you know, put a dollar in. That's fine if you feel led to do that. And, you know. No, ours is a little bit different. <laughs> it's, not about, it's not about what you do at the grocery store when you got an extra $1 bill or whatever it is. The lottery game is you say to somebody, and, and as I've mentioned before, this is a great, like, first date game. You want to get to know how much trouble you're going to get into with somebody, what makes them tick. This is a great question. The question is, if you won the lottery, what would you do? Because what you're really asking is, what are you capable of? If nobody could tell you no, for example, what would be the thing for you? Right. If money, if money wasn't an issue, mm -hmm. or if outer circumstances were not an issue, and you had all of your necessities taken care of, 
what would you what would you do with the money? And right. that's always usually where it starts is what would you do with the money? And just about everybody says, well, I'd quit my job. Yeah. Which quit. says a lot about... Right. You know. Every, oh, yeah. I mean, I have yet to meet somebody. Oh, I keep being an HR manager from the Department of Redundancy Department, you know, at Conhugeco Industries. Yeah, that's pretty rare. Yeah. No, nobody's going to stay in their in their current job. I've Like I said, I've... At least among our friends, hasn't happened yet. Maybe that yet. speaks to our crew. I don't know, but I think but it's hasn't happened. Universal. Yeah, hasn't happened yet to where people are like you know what I would do. And after they quit their job, the next thing is usually, well, buy the big house mm. or buy the car. Yeah, the big the big house, the fancy car. I get surgery to have various things either shrunken or enlarged. You know, whatever right. floats your boat. And then we say, and then what? And this is the part of the game that I love. Okay, you have that, then what? Yeah. Then what are you going to do? Well, and there's this thing that happens, no matter what, this is, you know, (laughs) there's that part in Scripture where it says, be as a little child. And that means a million different things, and that's another subject for another podcast. I would love to talk about that childhood attitude and what that really means. But anyway, one of the things it means for me right now is that thing that kids do usually when they're trying to not go to sleep at night, when they ask why, you know, why is the sky blue, and you can try to explain the science of it, and then they say why. Well, but what about this? Why? And they, why, 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 why? They're not really interested in an answer. They're just trying to prolong the conversation. But you can use that same tact to get down to something important because the truth is the important things, life, love, beauty, truth with a capital T, those are things that just are. You know, you know when you're in love and you can't prove it. You can't explain it. So the be as a little child question of why can get you, if you're patient enough or stubborn enough, can get you to that place of just cuz. And that is a beautiful tool. So why do you want those things? Why, why this, why that, why this, why that? To get to this place where one way or another, one of the things that we find a lot is people basically are really saying, you know, why do you want the house? Well, because it would be fun. It would go, why would it be fun? Well, because of this and then the other. And eventually people get to this place so they say, well, because I wouldn't have to worry anymore. And the thing that we came to a long time ago, and to be perfectly honest with our listeners, is something that we kind of learned the hard way. You know, when we were first starting out, we were really, you know, really struggling. And one of the things that we learned because we had to learn it is you can quit worrying for free. In fact, that's the only way it's ever going to work out is if you just get to a place. And once again, whether you learn that the easy way where it's just this wonderful transition and evolution or you learn it the hard way because you got no choice. We learned it the hard way in our lives. But one way or the other, you get to this place where you go, you know what? I just can't worry about that because it's not helping anything. Well, you just become so exhausted, though. I think you just get weary of it. We got to a place where we just didn't have anything left. Yeah, I think, I think, and sometimes that's, you have to get to the end. You have to get to the end and say, all right, and that's the surrender part of it. Yeah, thank God for that. Right, that you just, I I have nothing left. I have, I have no emotional energy to give to this anymore and I have to quit it. Yeah, when you get to that Janis Joplin, you know, freedom's another word for nothing left to lose. If that's how you get to that place where you finally feel free, then so be it and thank you God. Well, and now we say, you know, worrying you suffer twice because if something is going to go on, something quote unquote bad is going to happen and you worry about it before it happens, 
you're worrying about it, so you're already suffering the first time you worry about it, and then if it does end up happening, then you're going to have to go through it again anyway. Exactly. And what's the point of that? Exactly. So it's kind of the opposite of prosperity. It's kind of the opposite of peace. The answer to the lottery game is, well, I don't want to have to worry anymore, and money sometimes will help you to not worry anymore. But that's not always the truth because we know people that have a lot of money that worry all the time. And we know people that, you know, in outer circumstances, maybe don't have a lot, that they're probably the happiest people that we love to be around yeah, them. The happiness and financial acumen are loosely coupled at best. Generally speaking, there's a much wider disconnect between those two things than people might think. And so let's just get to the place where we realize that that prosperity doesn't mean that at all. And there's a story that I've told a bunch of times. I've taught that book, Prosperity by Charles Fillmore. By the way, highly recommend it. Prosperity by Charles Fillmore. I've taught the book a million times. I've taught the class a million times. And one time I taught it, and this was so long ago that it was before everybody had the complete sum total of human knowledge in the form of the smartphone in their pockets. This is before that. But one of the things that some people had was they used to make these little electronic dictionaries. It was like the size of a pocket calculator. I remember those. Yeah. And you could type in word and it would give you a definition. But those things had just a, a small amount of memory. So it would give well, you... Well, it had a very small screen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it would just give you a couple of word definition. And sometimes the definitions were kind of comical because they were so uh, truncated. In this case, I, I often start started my prosperity class by asking my students, well, what is prosperity? you got to start with some kind of definition. And so some smart aleck in my class typed in prosperity into their little calculator dictionary thing. And the definition was good times. And i got to tell you that that is just about the best definition I ever heard. That's Be pretty good. Yeah, it really is. Because the, the thing is, if you are a person that says, once I have one million dollars, then I will give myself permission to not worry anymore... If that's your attitude, if something external is going to gratify you, you're going to get to a million dollars. And because you haven't changed your mind, you're going to find a whole new set of things to worry about. And in fact, at a million dollars, the stakes are a lot higher. <laughs> I think you're going to end up in worse shape than you were before. And we all know that, that, that society and folklore is full of stories of people who won the lottery. I was just going to say, yeah. there's, there's, I think there's that TV show like on TLC or something like I Won the Lottery. And it's like you always watch these people and then they sometimes will do an update of them and it's just like they're completely back. Yeah, worse shape than they were before. You know, to where they were, how they lost it, how they're... And I, I hate to see and that. And it's so it's, sad. Yeah, it's but so it's, sad. That is right out of Charles Fillmore. That is right out of Prosperity. He said that in, in 1936 when he wrote the book. You know, if your consciousness doesn't change, you're going to go right back to where you were. And, and that is the truth of life. So let us get to the point where what we're thinking about is not the things, but the consciousness. So look for good times. Look for the things that you know that are just cause. You know, like Dr. Katie says in Lessons in Truth. Look for the things you know just like you know you're alive. That is prosperity. So if you want to prosper, I really think there's two elements to it. Remember who you are as a child of God. And that means remember that God isn't anywhere else. And the second part is do something about it. That's service. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. In other words, look for an awareness. 
that you and I and everybody are not separate from God, that we're, we're swimming in it. The Spirit is all around us. The kingdom of heaven is in your midst. The whole thing. So seek first that awareness. And then it says, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. And the old unity thing to say is right, right. useness. Use. Yeah, right. so seek to use it right. So in other words, remember where you are and do something about it. And the prosperity, the, the ability to not worry about it, and just like the Fillmore's wrote, the ability to have every want, not just need, but want met, will happen in and of itself because God's job is to take care of you. You don't have to make that happen. You have to do something about what you have in front of you, you so that you can make room. As we grow in our understanding, as we move to a better understanding of who we are and what our service is, mm -hmm. don't you think that our wants are going to change? They have to. They absolutely have to. I think so too because just in my limited experience, I don't want the same things that I wanted as a teenager that I do now. My desires and my understandings and how I view the world and what I want to give back to the world and, and just even down to, for example, when I buy my makeup, I buy it from cruelty-free companies. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing that at 16 years no, old. Of so I not. mean, there is an awareness of righteousness or right useness. You could say that we vote with our dollars and there's places that we will shop and there's places that we don't shop. And just because we are more aware of what we want and how what we want to bring into our lives. Mm -hmm. So don't you think that people that are worried about maybe owning the Porsche or the mansion, the right car, the right, the right, house. the right car, the right house, the whatever it is. If you just start living this life and you just start coming from a place, not outside, but inside, I think that you're going to find that that all of that stuff sort of falls away. And again, it's nice to have fun things around. It's nice to be comfortable. You want to feel safe in your own home. You want to be able to have the peace of mind at night when you're closing your eyes that your bills are paid. And that's not what I'm talking about. Jesus and the disciples didn't go without. When it was time to eat, they ate. When somebody required money to pay the taxes, the fish carried that. You know what I mean? Over and over again, they demonstrated prosperity on every kind of level, but they didn't carry all of that around with them. Well, Jesus wore a seamless robe. I'm yeah. still looking for one. <laughs> I, you can't yeah. You can't find those. Nice it, stuff. You can't it, do you, that yeah, anymore. Yeah, we tried H&M. But the, the basic idea is you can prosper by not having those things be the object of your existence. You don't have to carry that around with you. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is, here's an example, Christmas. In our family, we will often say to the kids when Christmas comes around, um, do you have a red rider this year? And what that means, if you're familiar with the movie Christmas Story, the, the child protagonist in the story wants a red rider BB gun. Now, you've seen the movie. You remember now. But in other words, do you, what's your one big thing that you're hoping Santa Claus brings you? That, that kind of thing. And every, you know, not as much as the, when the kids are older, but I think I'm the only one who continually you, has. You yeah. still do it. We'll talk about that later. But it used to be that every year there was sort of a big present. And the truth is when you talk to everybody, almost everybody 
has had those kind of Red Rider level presents that they wanted for Christmas. It was just going to make or break them. That just it, Whether it was a new bike or a wagon or a dress or a whatever it was, doesn't matter. So often I can say to somebody, try to remember the biggest one of those from your childhood. You know, they'll come up with something. But then I can say, now where is it now? And I got to tell you, nine times out of ten, the person doesn't know. And I can tell you from my own experience, I had a couple of Red Riders when I was a kid that really stuck out for me. There was this one bike, for example, that I really wanted a bike. And I don't know where what happened to that. I don't remember. I had a great time riding it. I got it for Christmas. It was awesome. But I have no idea now. Well, Cabbage Patch dolls were big for me. Oh, man. Yeah, but the thing is, you wouldn't want that now. It no. would be kind of weird. We'd have our own TLC show. If you had Cabbage Patch dolls and I was still riding around on a BMX bike at 43 years old. It would be called hoarding. Yeah, exactly. But that's the point. Right. It's not the thing. It's it's so wonderful to have those moments and celebrate that and enjoy the presents. But also enjoy the present. You know, be where you are and it's great. Let your wants be satisfied, but prosperity has a lot more to do with not being attached to those things than it does with actually getting those things. Our next segment is something that we like to call Listen Up, and that's where we answer questions from our listeners. And before I read this great question, I just want to say that earlier today, we were sitting at Kawa Coffee, the finest coffee establishment in St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth. You and me and Raina were sitting there uh, having a cup of coffee and talking about a lot of things, but mostly about the podcast. It was a gorgeous day, though, yeah. to sit outside, though. Beautiful. And I think Raina enjoyed being out of the house for a change. You mm-hmm. know? Anyway, I decided to put it out there on our various social media channels. I said, does anybody have any questions tonight? We're talking about prosperity. And uh, almost immediately, just a few minutes after I posted it, our old friend Nikosha asked us a question. Nikosha, thank you so much. The, the wonderful thing is, as our listeners know, uh, Jenny and I were in YOU, the Youth of Unity, the teenage group. We were in it together. That's where and, we met. Yep. Yeah, and Nikosha was also a YOUer. And uh, she was in the Miami chapter, and we were up here and uh so we would see each other at retreats and stuff like that but it was just really fun to have you know we have this continuity and so our good old friend nikosha and she was at our wedding yeah yeah and uh just all kinds of great stuff we had a lot of adventures together but right now by the way before i ask the question suspense is amazing but before i uh but read the question i want to point out that nikosha is the producer of the leroy white podcast and sometime we got to get leroy on the show but uh Leroy is an incredible inspirational figure, just a hero to all of us. And so I recommend, go find the Leroy White podcast. It's on iTunes and all that kind of stuff. You'll love it. Yeah, and you'll love him. But Nikosha is the producer of that podcast and just just a wonderful person. And so once again, Nikosha, thank you so much. Nikosha's question is, what do you think of the new minimalism movement? or the KonMari method. Both concepts teach that your life becomes more full when you own less. How does this fit into the concept of prosperity? Well, I think it fits beautifully. Twice a year, I I just completely go through the house room by room and we do a, a 
gigantic cleaning and boxing day uh, yeah and it's it's not confined to a particular day it's just i know that a few times a year i do it usually it's two yeah um and just go through and just eliminate everything i have a system in my closet to where i hang all of my hangers backwards and so after six months, if they're still backwards and not put back the right way, it means, you which, touched it them. means I haven't yeah. worn the item of clothing, it goes. Unless it's like a particular piece that's like a, that's like a staple piece or something like that. But, but I, anyway, I think that it really does fit into what our concept of prosperity is. Well, I think that part of it is you are not defined by your possessions and a big hunk of prosperity has to do with the freedom to not be defined by material things that kanmari thing i had to look it up and once i did i remembered what nikosha was talking about part of that method has to do with hold every item that you have and ask yourself does this bring me joy and if it doesn't maybe you shouldn't have it anymore and there's more to it but that seems to be the nucleus of it and i love that because really it's not about the thing it's about the joy and there's something really powerful in that i think that the goal of any method of dealing with your possessions really ought to be does it help me get free from them and this is really important because there are people who have a lot in the outer who are slaves to that material but you know what there are people who say, I am a staunch minimalist and I spend my life in renunciation. I spend my life rejecting, rejecting things of everything. the Rejecting everything. I don't and, want anything. I don't want, you know, I have one pair of socks that I yeah. wash every day. And the thing is that, and I, you know this, I have been that person. I know. And it is. That's why in, I bring it up now. It's insufferable. Because the truth is, that person is just as materialistic if they have a, nothing and all they're thinking about is stuff. They're just as materialistic as a person who has everything and all they're thinking about is stuff. There is no difference. At least the person who's got a lot of things has fun toys to play with. What it's really about is if matter controls your life, you are a materialist. You are being materialistic if possessions are what you think about all the time. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of possessions or no possessions. If all you're thinking about is possessions, then they possess you. That's the thing. So, yes, absolutely. I think it's very healthy to not be the kind of person who's into accumulating a lot of material stuff because it can't make you happy. We know this. But on the other hand, it is also unhealthy to be the kind of person that is just against material things and is just walking around f looking at what they can get rid of because, for one thing, it's no fun to be around that person. But the other thing is there's more to life than your possessions. Right. And if that's all that makes you tick, you're missing a big hunk of what really matters. And you cannot prosper if all you're thinking about is stuff. That's the thing. Once again, prosperity is good times. It's not good stuff. Just like before when we mentioned the hoarder, the hoarder aspect of all of this, when you watch those shows, they're not happy they have all of their stuff, but it is so, it's just controlling them and it's, and it's actually physically making them sick most of the yeah. time. And I don't know about anybody else, but whenever I watch one of those shows, it's immediately, if I need motivation to like clean the house, <laughs> it's like, click that, click that show on. Oh man, things will be clean 
lightning fast. Yeah. It's like, no, we are we are getting rid of, we are Because we I are don't want to be bleaching everything yeah. and we're doing all that. I don't want that aspect in my life. So I think it's 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 very similar. But when you really look at those people, it's they're sad. They're depressed. They're unhappy. They're... Well, and the thing is, even not even on the hoarder. The hoarder show is part of it. But there's also, you know, the Real Housewives of whatever. And That's true. That's got, the other end of the spectrum. They've got everything, too. They've yeah, got they nice everything. things and not gross things and weird cat skeletons under couches and stuff like that. Oh, that was a bad episode. Yeah. But the, the thing is, the Real Housewives of whatever, inevitably, it is a bunch of people who've got all kinds of money and possessions who are not just miserable but dedicated to making everyone around them miserable. So it's not the possessions. And here's a group of people who at least, you know, what do we know about what's really going on behind the scenes? But what we see on the show is people who are totally wrapped up in materiality. Mm -hmm. So whether you have a lot or a little, whether it's nice or not so nice, things cannot tell you who you are. And if you think that they can, you're going to be sad. It's okay to want the Lexus, and it's okay to want to not own a car at all. Just don't think that either of those positions is going to tell you who you are, and you'll start to be free. That's the thing. And I wanted to read this uh, after I read that uh, question from Nikosha. I remembered a quote from Prosperity, the book by Charles Fillmore, that means a lot to me. Here's the quote. Prosperity is not in the possession of things but in the recognition of supply. I'm going to say that again. Prosperity is not in the possession of things, but in the recognition of supply. That's the secret. It doesn't matter how much you have or don't have. What matters is do you recognize that you partake in something infinite? Do you recognize that your job is not to be the beginning of the manifestation process or the dead end destination of it, but rather your job is to be part of the flow? The recognition of supply. That's what prosperity is. And and I've said this before, my favorite word for prosperity kind of things is affluence. I love that word. Are you affluent? It's a great word. But what the word means, you can really tell if you think about the word. It comes from the same root as the word fluid. So in other words, being affluent has nothing to do with being a repository for stuff. It has nothing to do with getting rid of stuff. It has to do with being in tune with the flow. Your possessions will come and go. The red riders of your life will be important and then wane in their importance and go away to the point where you don't even remember what happened. Let them come and go. Don't make them the object of your existence, just like Charles and Myrtle said in their dedication and covenant. It is a wonderful thing to clean out. But let us not be the kind of people where... All we do is destroy. Instead, let us look at our lives like a sculptor would, where we're just chipping away the outer stuff to get to what's important on the inside. So really the question is, what's going to help you remember who you are? Your stuff can't tell you, so what will tell you? And that's where prosperity lives. As we move into the check it out portion, this is where we talk about what's coming next, sort of news and announcements. I want to let everybody listening know that we will be at Unity of Gainesville, Florida on March 19th. And, and Jenny and I are going to do a uh, branching in talk 
and we're going to have a book signing afterwards. And I want to be very clear. This is the Unity of Gainesville, Florida. There's also Unity of Gainesville, Georgia. That's not where we're going on March 19th. So uh, if you're anywhere near Gainesville, come see us. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I love that church. At Reverend Sachs, is, she's a wonderful minister. I, I love her style and what she's doing. She's, she's the real thing. And so it's a lot of fun to get to go and be there for that. We'll be doing another service and book signing down at the Unity of Sarasota sometime in late April. So stay tuned for that date. We're pinning it down as we speak and just waiting to get that on the schedule. So we'll let you know when we when we have that finalized. We're also doing our teen retreat, our spring gathering, and that is going to happen April 7th through the 9th. And registration is gonna be up pretty quick here. If it's not already, as you're hearing this podcast, you can go to events.imunity.org and register if you're interested in coming. And if you know of a teenager age 14 to 19 that you think would be interested in coming, the flyer will be available to download for anybody that's interested in going and you'll get more information there. And it's a really fabulous time with some really fabulous teens. I encourage you to, well, uh, check it out. (laughs) That's once again, that's events.iamunity.org. Check out uh, unitysociety.com slash events to see all of the other things that we have going on. There's always a lot. And as always, you can find us on social media. Our Facebook page is The Unity Society. Our Twitter handle is at The Unity Society. And that's our Instagram. And that is our Instagram as well. And my personal Instagram, at Jenny A. Randolph. And I am Dieter underscore Randolph, and my Twitter is at Dieter. Come find us, ask us questions, let us know how you're doing. We'd love to hear from you. So Dieter, let's wrap it up. (laughs) Here's the thing. You are not defined by your possessions. You're not defined by your achievements. You're not defined by the opinions of others. You are not defined by anything really other than your divine nature, the truth about you as a child of God. And you cannot find that in anything outside of you. Some things may point to it or remind you of it. Some things may help you get going in the right direction. And so we give thanks for all of that. It's fun to have toys. But at the end of the day, if you want to find who you are, get to the place where you can't ask why anymore and you get to the just is. You get to that part where when someone asks you who you are, you can say in one way or another, I am that I am. I just am. This is the truth about me. And that is the face of the infinite staring back at you. Prosperity comes not from having things or from spending your life getting rid of things. Prosperity comes from recognizing that you're part of this amazing, ongoing, infinite flow. And when you really know that, each and every moment, each and every possession, each and every conversation can come and go with your blessing and, in fact, with your celebration. But those things never have to become the object of your existence. The universe takes care of its own. And if you find something bigger than you to serve, every want will be taken care of without those things ever being the reason why you do what you do. 
Just find something bigger than you and serve it and just get out of the way and you are on the fast track to affluence. The Unity Society podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios. And our sound engineer, as always, is the handsome and strong and healing Raina Randolph. And she's also one of the two musicians that you hear in the little music breaks. And the other musician is the uh, lovely and talented Miles Randolph. We are so grateful for the two of them. We're also grateful for you. This podcast is 100% supported by you, the listener. And the way that you support us is just by telling other people about it. Spread the word. Find ways to share unitysociety.com slash podcast with, with people you care about. I'm sure there's somebody in your life that would like to listen to this too. And most importantly, go to wherever you encounter this podcast, whether that's on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or SoundCloud or anywhere, wherever you found us, go back to that place and write us a good review. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know ways that we can improve. But those reviews are part of the algorithm that lets those people share them with the rest of the world. It's complicated, but trust me, it makes a big difference for us. So thank you for all your love and support. You're really making a difference in our lives. Thank you for listening and have an amazing, prosperous week.